0: Hey, happy Mother's Day. I'm gonna say something and I'm going to, I want you to cheer as loud as you can, okay, ready? I'm not preaching today. <laughs> hey, this is Stephanie and she's gonna be sharing the message today for Mother's Day. Stephanie is our campus director, which means she oversees uh, helping people, uh, really all facets of ministry, but really emphasis on helping people connect through serving and I want you to welcome her warmly today. Great communicator she's gonna share with you today. Well, thanks guys and happy Mother's Day. I'm super excited to be here with you guys this morning and I'm super excited that you're here to be celebrated or to celebrate. Um, that video alluded to and I want to be honest about Mother's Day. Some, uh, sometimes it has some mixed emotions. I have some friends, uh, Mother's Day is really hard for them. Uh, because of either in a strange relationship with a child or a strained relationship with their mom. It's really hard. And then I have others that look forward every year to Mother's Day because finally they're going to get some respect, right? Like they're going to get some attention. They're going to get some presents. All the kids come. It's fantastic. So wherever you are today, we want to honor you. Um, Some of you are in a season that is just fantastic like you are winning at life right now. Things are smooth, everything's on the up and up, and that is amazing. Um, But if statistics play out, then a lot of us showed up um, with a smile on our face, but we're struggling, Um, either with uh, deep disappointments or frustrations or loneliness or overwhelm. And so what I would love to do, what I would love the Lord to do this morning is just to encourage you through his word, uh, what we're going to look at this morning, whether you're a mom or a stepmom, a grandmother raising her grandchildren, a stand-in mom for a season, we are all aware that parenting, this parenting gig is a breeze, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. No, it is not a breeze. Children in the room, it is a blessing. It is a blessing to have children, but it is tough sometimes, right? Uh I read a Pew research survey recently that I thought was pretty funny because 89% of the parents that they surveyed said that parenting was way harder than they thought, right? I can get an amen on that, right? <laughs> yes. I don't know who these 11% are that think it wasn't so tough, right, right? but they are lying. I just want you to know they are lying. I love memes, and so I pulled a couple of fantastic parenting memes. <laughs> Bathroom break, they will find you. No place is sacred when you have small children. Look at this one. Stay in your own bed tonight, okay? Three-year-old, okay, mommy, I promise. <laughs> okay, this is some good advice. Here we go. Parenting hack. Just kidding. There are no hacks. Everything is hard. These kids don't listen. This is your life now. Godspeed. (laughs) All right. That's not the encouraging part of the message. We're going to keep on going. So, today for Mother's Day, I want to offer all of us um, what I'm going to call a spa day for the soul. A spa day for the soul. But I'm not going to lie. Some parts of the message are going to feel like one of those deep tissue massages. We're going to kind of press into the tension a little bit. But um, I pray. That by the end, all of us, not just moms, but everybody, walks out encouraged. But also we're going to talk about contentment. And so here's what I pray. And this is the best Mother's Day gift that I can think of. Is that we walk out of here knowing how and where we can find true, lasting contentment. Wouldn't that be a Mother's Day gift? We wouldn't have to strive anymore. We wouldn't have to worry anymore. We could be at peace and have joy in any situation. And we're going to look because God doesn't hide it. (laughs) He doesn't hide it from us. And so we're going to look and find where it comes from because everyone on the planet has been looking for that person, that experience, that bank account, that status, that job that will finally, that will finally meet our expectations, that will meet our needs, that will fill us up. We have been Looking so that we can live the life that Paul talked about. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well fed, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty, or whether I'm living in want. Paul says that he has discovered the secret. So, what is the secret? And can I get it shipped to my house from Amazon? That is what I want to know. As children, we were pretty sure that the secret to happiness was that candy in the candy aisle, right? Or that new video game or that bike or those sparkly shoes. We thought if we could just have that thing, we will be happy. And it made us happy for like four hours, right? (laughs) The parents, yes, make them happy for four hours at a time. That's how you get through childhood. And then we grew up and we were teenagers, And we were pretty sure that our satisfaction, our fulfillment was going to be in that significant other, right? We're going to find the right girlfriend or boyfriend, and then we are going to be content. Or maybe that car, or getting into that college, or popularity, or the academic or athletic success. And then if we could just achieve that, then we would be happy, we would be content, we would be living with joy and peace no matter what. Just didn't work. <laughs> I don't know if y'all went through teenage years like that, but it didn't work for mine. But now, guys, pat yourself on the back. You made it. You are a mature adult. <laughs> you are grown up now. And sometimes we can still get trapped by the thought that that bigger house or that better neighborhood or a better marriage or my kids making better decisions. Or more money in the bank account, or that different job, or a different number on the scale. That if I could just attain that, I would finally be happy, I'd finally be content, I can finally be all right, and just walk out into life and be secure. And many of us got those things. Like many of us have had the bigger house, many of us have gotten the different job, and there's still something in us that longs, there's still something in us that's seeking. So what is it that you and I truly thirst for? And where do we find it? How do we get it? Today, we're going to take a break from the book of Romans. We've been in Romans 8 for the past two Sundays, and I'm telling y'all, it's my favorite chapter in all of Holy Writ. I would say, read it every single day. You'll be jazzed. You'll know who you are, Romans 8. We're going to take a break from that. We're going to hear from a guy named Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet Uh, 700 years before Jesus showed up on the scene. Isaiah was was God's mouthpiece. He was a prophet. Now, he lived during a time in a culture where the people were rebelliously running away from God in search of those things that they thought would bring true contentment. Anyone live in a culture like that? Yes. Well, here's the thing. It was not going to end well. And so God, in his grace and in his mercy, looks down on those kids that are now, want nothing to do with him, that are running away from him, and he issues this incredible invitation And he's issuing that same invitation, spoiler alert, to you and me. No matter how you showed up today, I don't know if you're super tight with God right now. That is amazing. You may be far, far from God and want nothing to do with him. And I'm telling you, the invitation is for you today as well. So we're going to look at this invitation. Um, When we get an invitation, the first thing that we want to see is, Who is invited, right? It's real, real awkward when we show up somewhere and we were not invited like, hey, Steph, what you doing here, you know? So we want to know that we're invited. So we're going to look at this invitation that Isaiah issued, well, God through Isaiah issues. We're going to see who's invited. Look at how he kicks it off. Here we go. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without price so who's invited first off the thirsty and the broke anyone been there the thirsty and the broke are invited this is an invitation listen for us to come however we show up bring your brokenness bring your not enoughness some of us might feel like we're not running in the right circles or we're not smart enough or we're not lovely enough or, or we've got a past or we've got a present God says come come with your morning breath and your bad head he doesn't say you got to clean up the kitchen and comb your hair before you come you just come he loves you so much he just wants you to come So the thirsty and the broke, the invitation is to come. But there's another group that's invited that I think most of us are going to relate to a little bit more, right? The thirsty and the broke, all of us certainly have been there, but this group is the self-sufficient. These are the people who can do it themselves. And God asks this profound question. He says, why, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. You see, this group of folks still has the wherewithal to buy and to labor. They, I'm going to change that to we, are self-sufficient. We are still trying to fill that emptiness, that want, that thing that we just can't put our finger on. We're still trying to do it in our own efforts, with our own power and it just doesn't work we can spend decades on this roller coaster trying to find the thing being disappointed trying to find the thing again being disappointed we were just not designed for the lesser purposes of comfort or control or pleasure or status the hard truth and here's the kind of deep tissue massage guys The hard truth is that we will never find relief for our deepest longings if we continue to look for them in possessions or status or people or experiences. We just will never get there. Have you ever seen a cat or dog Chase that laser pointer light. Have y'all ever done that to your poor animals? Anyone? Don't admit it. You don't have to admit it. (laughs) Eric's admitting it. It is hilarious. Like, if you have not seen this, like, look it up on the YouTube. It is hilarious and also kind of sad. Like, I just wonder, like, what do they think they're going to get in the end, right? Like, they will, they will scale tall things and run up and down and up and down steps chasing that little red dot. They will pounce on people that just a moment ago they were afraid of. They, it, it is nuts. They will, oh, I, bonk their noses against the wall. It is so sad. Only to come up empty-handed and exhausted. Searching for our contentment, our satisfaction, in any created thing, is kind of like that. Once we are weary of the pursuit, we look around and wonder, what in the world happened? Why am I still not happy? And where did that little red light go, right? I love what 15th century mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal said. You may have read this quote before, but I love it. He says, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. So God continues this invitation He continues this proposal of grace through the prophet Isaiah. Look at the next line. Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear to me and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. That means there is plenty of good stuff to go around, guys, right? Come to me that your soul may live, eat, delight, live. Who would not want to come to this, right? He knows exactly what will satisfy you. He knit you together and included those longings that only he can fulfill. So the invitation, he says, listen diligently. How can we listen diligently? We got we to gotta come near. We have to move in. We have to come to him. Now, the next thing we're going to look at if we get an invitation in the mail is, okay, I'm invited. Check. Now, who is inviting? Who is it that's inviting? Listen, we don't just accept any invitation willy-nilly, right? If someone showed up in our driveway, complete stranger, and said, Hey, you know, get in the car. I'm going to take you on a special trip. Like, we would, we would run in the house and call the cops, right? But if our best friend or our favorite person in the world showed up, did the same thing, man, we'd drop whatever, hop in the car, and head out. We don't care. It matters who is issuing the invitation We have to know him. We have to know him in order to take him up truly on this invitation of satisfaction. Look at this. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now remember the people he's talking to. He's talking to his kids who are running away from him. Listen let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts let him return to the lord that he may have compassion on him not that he may like beat him up and like you know yar. no that he may have compassion on him and to our god for he will what's that next word abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So who is inviting? Look at the passage. The one who wants to be found. The one who is near to us. The one who is compassionate. The one who is abundantly gracious to those who have made mistakes to those who have lied or stolen or hurt others those who have flat out ignored him and those who have rebelliously run in the other direction to worship lesser things but he will abundantly pardon when we come to him Now, many of us have heard that that scripture. Now, my my thoughts are higher than yours, my ways higher than your ways. And we have assumed that God is talking about his power or his holiness or his wisdom, right? Like, I'm so much smarter than you, so you should listen to me. I'm so much more holy than you, so you should listen to me. So much more powerful than you, so you should listen to me. And that is true. But it's not the context of this verse. This verse is talking about his immeasurable compassion, right? When we hear that our soul may live, we see this truth that awakens our heart and turns our souls toward him. And it's because that his ways are higher than ours when it comes to his compassion, his love for us. We think because our sin darkens our view of God, we think that when we sin, God is going to turn away from us in utter disgust or at least cold disappointment, but he moves in. We think when we make mistakes that he will respond to us with wrath or at least some tough consequences, right? But his heart is tender and compassionate to us. We think we're going to hit a limit of his love for us. Like one day God's just going to go, you know what, you know, I'm done, okay? Like I have, I have forgiven, I've forgiven, I've forgiven, and then I'm done. But he will abundantly pardon. His ways are not our ways when it comes to his compassion. His ways are higher than our ways. I love what author Dane Ortlund says in his book, Gentle and Lowly. I'm going to recommend that book right now, Gentle and Lowly. Run, go get it. He says, when we return to God in fresh contrition, right, humility, however ashamed and disgusted with ourselves, he will not tepidly pardon, like not just a little bit. He will abundantly pardon. He does not merely accept us like, well, I guess you're my kid. I'm going to accept you. No, 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 no. He sweeps us up in his arms again. Remember, our God is the one who reached out and touched the leper to heal him. Our God is the father who runs toward his prodigal son that was returning to him. He's the one who spoke to the outcast woman at the well. He's the one who cooked breakfast for his disciples who had just abandoned him. He's the one who stayed up late and was interrupted at meal after meal after meal to meet the needs of the people. He is the one who washed Judas's feet. He is the one who endured the pain and the shame of the cross for you and I. He's the one who's been good and faithful time and time again in your life and mine. That's The one who's inviting. So often, you and I hold back from giving everything to him that relationship that sin that entangles us all the things our wants our hopes our dreams we kind of hold back because we think at some point we're going to be disappointed in his way for us or we're going to be ashamed that we put all our eggs in that basket or we are going to reach that limit that i talked about earlier that he's just going to finally go you know what i'm done with you like go i'm done but that is an anemic view of our god in his heart for us. day Ortland, one more time, I love this. That God is rich in mercy means that your regions of deepest shame and regret are not hotels through which divine mercy passes, but homes in which divine mercy abides. It means the things about you that make you cringe most make him hug hardest. It means his mercy is not calculating and cautious like ours. (laughs) It is unrestrained. It is flood-like. It is sweeping. It is magnanimous. It means our haunting shame is not a problem for him, but the very thing he loves most to work with. It means our sins. Our sins do not cause his love to take a hit. Our sins cause his love to surge forward all the more it means that on that day when we stand before him quietly unhurriedly we will weep with relief shocked at how impoverished a view of his mercy rich heart we had that's the one who's inviting So come. Surrender it to him. We're so burdened. When I talk to folks, there's just so much going on in life, and you don't have to carry it. Bring it to him. The invitation is to come. So why should I come? I love the way Isaiah wraps up this chapter. He says, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. This part's fun. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. I cannot wait to see that. Instead, this is my favorite part. Instead of the thorn, shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. You know, psychologists used to say, they may still say that that our society suffers from this anxiety called FOMO. Have y'all heard of this? F-O-M-O, it means the fear of missing out. This anxiety really causes people to constantly scroll the socials or the news feeds, making sure they're not gonna miss out on something that that would make their life better uh, or safer, FOMO. But now psychologists have coined this new term, and I know that y'all have either experienced or seen it. It's called faux bow. have y'all seen this? Fear of a better offer. And what this real anxiety does is it causes people to kind of freeze up. Like we don't wanna make a decision, we don't wanna to commit to anything, because we are afraid that if we make a decision or a commitment that we're gonna make that decision or that commitment and something better is gonna come along. And so we freeze up and we don't decide anything. We just stay where we are. This morning, I just want to shake us all from this particular phobo paralysis. Listen, there is and will never be a better offer than the one that our God is offering through the prophet Isaiah. Come to me. There will never be a better offer Look at the text. I I, I want us to understand that God himself can't be unsatisfying. It's impossible. He's the one who created us. He's the one who created life, who created joy, who created pleasure, who created all the things. He can't be unsatisfying. Look at the text. For you shall go out in joy. You shall be led forth in peace. Isn't this really the thing that we want? When we boil it all down, isn't this the thing in our life that we want? We, we just want to be at peace. No matter what is going on, we want to have joy. Because life's going to happen. But how are we doing in the midst of life? We want joy and we want peace. And I, I love the part that says instead of the thorn, shall come up the cypress. And instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle. How many of us, if we're honest, feel like what we have planted, just based on life, what we've had time to do, are thorns and briars. Maybe in our marriage. Maybe in our relationships. Maybe at work. Maybe with our habits or how we spend our time, but it's thorns and it's briars and we're feeling it. When we surrender to the Lord, those areas, the fruit changes. We think in our own efforts we can do all this stuff, but thorns start coming up and briars, and we're like, what is going on? When we surrender it to the Lord, he changes the fruit. Instead of fear, anxiety, striving, worry, anger, disappointment, The fruit changes, y'all can say this with me, to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit changes when we offer everything to the Lord. So why should we come? We know we're invited. We know who's inviting. Why should we bring every area of our life to him? In his letter to the Philippians, remember, Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or whether I'm living in want. And if you know Paul's story, you know he, he experienced all of this multiple times. So what? is the secret because Paul spent a lot of time in jail and he could say, I rejoice. Like what is wrong with him? (laughs) He had the secret of contentment. And when you read that verse, the very next one after I have found the secret to being content, he says, I can do all things through who? Christ. Christ. This is going to sound like the churchy Sunday school answer. But I want us, I want it to sink in. Jesus really is the secret. He really is what your soul longs for. So no matter what is going on in our day to day life, no matter what the bank account looks like, no matter what the boss is doing, no matter what our marriage is going through, no matter what that kid who's lost their mind is doing. We can be content. We are okay. People can look at our lives and they can say, oh my goodness, golly, uh, this is going on in their life and that's going on in their life, and they're still joyful. They're still at peace. We really can have that. It is offered to you and I. But we have to take a step We have to come. We have to say, Lord, you are my contentment. Remember, through through Isaiah, he says, Come, everyone who thirsts. And he said, Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? And then, 700 years later, Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, I am the bread. I'm the bread is what Jesus said. And in John 6, when he says that, people are, he had masses of people following him, and it's because he had just fed them with the, the fish and loaves, right? And he makes this statement. He tells them, and it makes some turn away. He says, I did not come to bring you bread. I didn't come to make your life easier. I didn't come to be the cherry on top. That's not why I came. I came to be your bread. I didn't come to give you bread. I came to be your bread. I'm your satisfaction. I'm who you look to for your contentment, for your filling up, for your happiness, for your joy, for your peace. I'm the one, not the thing, the person, the experience, the job, the bank account. I am the bread of life. We must stop seeking our satisfaction in lesser things never works. We've tried it. I'm almost 50 this year. It never works. I love what uh, Kurt Peterson said uh, in, our, in one of our preaching team meetings. He said, if we seek satisfaction for its own sake, we will find neither satisfaction nor Christ. But if we seek Christ for Christ's sake, we get both. We get both. So we come. We bring every area of our life to him. If you're a parent, I want you to know how desperately your children need to see your satisfaction in Jesus and not always striving for the next thing. Isn't this what we want for our children? Don't we want for our children, for them to know if you walk away from Jesus, You walk away from a life of peace and joy and contentment and fullness. And instead, you walk into a life of confusion and exhaustion and emptiness. We want our kids to see that in us. Contentment, true gimmick-free contentment, is possible. It's possible. We can walk in that. When we walk in that, cultures change. Families change. Neighborhoods change. When we walk in the contentment that we have in Jesus, it changes things. And the how is simple. So we know where to find it. The how is simple. Listen to me, this is real easy. Live as if it's true because it is. Live as if he is our bread. He is our satisfaction. When we are striving for other things, when something happens, when we're disappointed or overwhelmed or something happens in our life, we can go to Jesus and we can say, Lord, I don't know why this is shaking out like this. I would not have written this script, but Lord, you're my satisfaction. I come to you For my joy and my contentment and my fullness and my peace, I come to you. These things are going to change. You never do. And the promise that you shall go out in joy, you shall be led forth in peace. Instead of briars and thorns, your life produces beautiful cypress myrtle trees as we give it to him If we keep it and try and wrangle it doesn't work we're left discontent and searching so if you're here this morning and you've never accepted God's invitation of true life through Jesus Christ that's where contentment starts I want to invite you, we're going to sing one more song, and I want to invite you, this altar will be open. We'll have some people up front that would love to pray pray with you. If you want to accept that invitation, please don't wait. Come. If you're a believer here this morning, which I think most, I'm not going to assume, but a lot of believers in here, if there's that area in your life that you need to surrender to him, that you're feeling thorns and briars, and you want him to change the fruit of your life this altar will be open and we'd love to pray with you as well so i'm going to pray and then we're going to sing let's pray father we we love you and god we're so amazed that you loved us first that you have this amazing plan for us. And God, you want to give us good things. You want us to be content. And so you give and you give yourself because our satisfaction is only found in you. So God, I pray, I pray that we would surrender it all to you, that we would put it in your very capable hands and see what you do we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his precious and powerful name we pray.